the Denver Sports Tonight. Taking a look at the biggest stories in Denver sports. From your online home for the best opinions and information on the Broncos, Nuggets, Avalanche, Rockies, and more. DenverSports.com. And it is Denver Sports Tonight on this Thursday night in the Mile High City. He's Marcello Romano. I'm Will Peterson. Be with you for the next hour. Cello, what's cracking, my guy? Got to turn your mic on and do yeah, radio? Yeah, that's, that's, hey, I've heard it. I've heard it many a time. Uh, it's a Stoke and Zach. Living the dream. From them. Turn it on to do the radio. Yeah. I'm uh, living the dream, man. How you doing? I'm great, dude. I'm great. It is uh, officially to the point where a week from tonight will be training Camp Eve. And that is, for us in the sports world, Broncos fans, Broncos country, that is kind of Christmas Eve. Unfortunately, as we sit here today, it's like December 17th, and we still we got to slog through one more week of this. And then finally, is it though? Broncos football will return. Because it doesn't feel like it has in years gone by. It doesn't even feel like it did last year, really. I mean, I don't know. that. How many people are optimistic about what's going to happen here in Broncos country this this year? Uh, well, that that's a different conversation. We'll have it. We'll have it. I'm just saying from the anticipation of like 5 and 12, finally yep. getting that out of our mouth. Like, I, I think we can finally stop talking about 5 and 12 one week from today. No, but I, I guess my at. question to you, Will, is growing up here, mm-hmm. being a Broncos fan my entire life, that there was there was always an energy, even when you got to this point, a week ahead of it. And I don't know that I feel that the same way that I did in years gone by. And I'm not, I know that we've had some uh, years where it's been not to the expectation level of what Broncos country knows. And, and this this town knows what a winner looks like, right? And we've always thought, oh, man, we're just a quarterback away. We got the quarterback last year. There's a lot of haters on Russ going into this season. But now you have a leader at the helm. You have Sean Payton, which should point the ship in the right direction. Yep. And I don't know that I, I feel all the excitement that I normally do around this town that – we should right now, a week beforehand. It is a good point, and you know why? Here, here's my theory, at least, on it. I'd be curious your thoughts. People were so burned last year. I mean, so, so, so burned. I brought it up a couple times on air. I don't know if I, you and I did the show last week. I don't know if we talked about it at all. But I still go back to the Nuggets game with Hackett and Outen banging the drum. We're going to score a lot of points. Russ mania, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. And then we all got so let down. And not just, like, let down gently. Like, let down like a thud. Laughing stock of the NFL type let down. One of the worst trades in NFL history yeah. type let down. At least today. It obviously could change. So it wasn't just like, ah, oh, we had to talk ourselves into Teddy or Drew or Flacco. I mean, Russ was it. Russ was fixed. I still remember, we were talking about Zach a moment ago. I still remember Zach on air. This is not a drill. When the Adam Schefter <laughs> tweet yeah. dropped. And he comes out in the hall, and we're all sitting out there, and he's five, high-fiving us, and this changes everything for us. We're finally going to have a contender, yes. et cetera, et cetera. And they got burnt. The, the whole fan base got burnt. So, so Cello, I don't, I don't think it, doesn't, it, it means people don't care because you're right. That sense isn't as eager as it was. I think it means that the, the optimism has to be so, so, so cautious because no one is going to let what happened to them last year – Happen again this year because it made for it made for probably the most painful football season of my life as a fan. So this is basically the equivalent of I'm not going to tell her I love her because I'm afraid she doesn't feel the same. Mm, yeah, as, that's as, a, as, a, as a Broncos fan, is like no, I'm not going to believe in Russ again because we got burned last year. 
And it seems like like he's the main target, right? No matter you can talk about Sean Payton being here and how much that's going to change things, but the momentum it's it's all on Russ. That's why there's not a belief in this team because you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know if it's uh, Russ just had a down year, or you don't know if it was like he hit the wall and he may never he may never get back to what he was before. I tend to believe he's going to. But all the antics that went down last year, it just seems like there's a, to use a LeVar ballism, there's a lot of haters in the house on Russ. And rightfully so. I mean, a lot of it is like self-inflicted, right? Sure. He puts himself out there to the point where it's, you're going to get some hate because of what you do and how you send it out there so the public can kind of take it in. But, I mean, that, that to me is, that's the biggest reason is is people... Some people will never forgive him. They don't want him to succeed. They are truly haters. There's other people that are like cautiously. We were just talking to Nate. He wrote a very fair piece, I think, the other day, and people are going after him. But that was just like his opinion, which I I think Nate's very fair to it. There's others that would love to see this guy fail. Well, you've got the James Merrillat who's so all in and driving the bandwagon and says, you know, they're going 12 and 5. Comeback player of the year, Yeah, comeback player of the year, and everyone can – jump on the bandwagon when they please. He's not going to be a gatekeeper. He's on an island, though. And then you have people like me who are mostly in the middle and are saying, I'm going to give Russ a second chance. I'm a believer in second chances. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I'm sitting here just forgetting what happened last year. I'm not going to ignore the past. The past was awful in terms of being a football fan. The past last year stunk. Like I said, it was the worst year of my football fandom from where expectations were to what happened. And then there's people like you said. They're just going to hate the guy no matter what, and they're totally off the train, and it feels kind of silly because if you call yourself a Broncos fan and you've totally 100% already made your mind up on Russ, well, what if James is right? What if at the bye they are, um, uh, the bye is, uh, when is the bye again? A little later maybe? Uh, Week nine bye. What what if at the bye they're six and two? Are you going to just still say Russ isn't the answer? No, you have to admit Hey, Sean Payton fixed him. They're good again. But Will, you might be the only person saying what? At, what if at six and two? Everything we're hearing locally is like, what if they're two and six? Because that's the fear everyone has, right? Is yeah. Like, and two may, and six is if, more realistic than six and two. Yeah, I mean you're exactly right. I mean the the reality is probably it's somewhere in the middle. But what do you do at either point? And there's going to be people, even if they are 6-2, and two, that don't believe that this guy's the answer. He's not going to take him to the promised land. I'll take you back to when you talked about Zach saying that this is not a drill. That was after, shortly after, we knew Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to come, right? That like news, Literally 90 minutes that after. Mi- that news broke and everyone was like devastated. You weren't going to get Aaron Rodgers. You weren't going to get R-E-L-A-X, right? But then that broke and everybody was like, finally. But even if you think back to it, well, like, how much energy was behind Russ even when he got here last year? It wasn't the Manning. It wasn't like when Manning showed up. You remember when Manning showed up? That that game down at the practice down at Adam Besco at the time yeah. was huge. Like, people were lining up for that. You didn't have that. You didn't even have that same kind of energy at the Valley last year. For a majority, you had a couple days, a couple Saturdays that... They kind of packed the hills, and people were kind of excited. But it was nothing like what we saw back in 2012. Well, we're going to get to the story in a little bit of the back-together Saturday last year that set a record with more than 7,200 people. So I do have to play a little devil's advocate last year. Fine. They set a record at Dove Valley with Russ. And also, Cello, Manning came to town after Tebow mania. I mean, literally months after. Like, it was yeah. a fever pitch was at an all-time high. Russ came to town after 
Flacco, Keenum, Simeon, Bridgewater, Locke. Like, come on. Like, the, the enthusiasm had waned in the seven years since they last made the playoffs. Whereas Manning comes to town three months after they were playing in the divisional round in New England after one of the most iconic plays in Broncos history. I, I, get, that, I, get, I get that. But you also got Mr. Nationwide, Mr. Uh, chicken Parm, you taste so good. It was a different level of. I mean, and I think. Uh, you remember when the Manning cast? Do you watch the Manning cast? Of during course, the yeah. Footballs? They, they had Russ on and last year when he was still with Seattle. So and, like two years ago. Yeah, so basically it'll yeah. be two years ago this this fall. Okay. And that dude could spit football with those two like it was like it was like damn if you, if he retires bring him in because he just fit in with you guys well talking football talking the position talking because a lot of times Manning or the Mannings will throw something out to a player and they'll give like short answers and it doesn't. Russ was elaborating. So when he failed the way he did last year, mm. it was shocking to me because it was like, you know so much about what you did to get here. Why would you have changed so much when you arrived to kind of try and reinvent you, reinvent yourself at this point of your career? I think because he was bitter, bitter, bitter about how things ended in Seattle. And he wanted to prove that it wasn't the Legion of Boom. It wasn't Pete Carroll. It wasn't Marshawn Lynch. It was Russ. And yeah. hindsight being 2020, maybe it was the Legion of Boom. Maybe it was Pete Carroll. Maybe it was Marshawn Lynch. The reality, it was a combination of everything. It was some, but, you know, I had to rank the four of those, one to four. Legion of Boom is one. Hall of Fame coach Pete Carroll is two. Marshawn and Russ are kind of tied at three. I think anyone would say defense and head coach were the staples in Seattle. Well, especially because that's by the Russ one that they won, right? Yeah. The that, chance that they did have against the Patriots to go down and score, which Russ would have maybe his his – Trajection is de- or his trajectory is different if he goes down and they don't have that turnover at the end of the game. But because he was at that point when they were down and he got him down into scoring position instead of just handing it off to Marshawn Lynch, they inexplicably throw that pass. Which Butler still to this day, I don't know how that play was made. Great play, but I mean maybe that changes things. And maybe you're exactly right. Is that a lot of these tandems, quarterback, coach. Instead of just being like, let's be a team, mm-hmm. let's be a group for the ages. Let's be the Rolling Stones, and we're not going to break up. We're going to keep going together. They always got to prove the egos get in the way, and that's a problem. Well, that happened. Brady Belichick split. I mean, ultimately, exactly. it was, was it Brady? Was it Belichick? And obviously, the last couple of years, it's looked more to be Brady. He's won a Super Bowl. I don't think Belichick's been back in the playoffs. But you said something earlier. You said that the enthusiasm can't ramp up of Sean Payton as much because he can't go. Be the quarterback. It's, it's right. still Russ is still the quarterback. It reminds me of. Do you remember Giselle after the Super Bowl when the Wes Welker infamous play happened? My husband can't throw the ball and catch the ball. That one you did it better than I could. Yes, Sean Payton can't go throw the ball. No. Sean Payton can't go catch the ball, but he can be a brilliant X's and O's guy. But who was Sean Payton successful with for well more than a decade? Drew Brees. Yeah. So he has to coach Russ back to that level. Or it won't matter. We've watched it in New England. We've watched it with Belichick. Once Brady leaves, Mac Jones, not the guy. Let's try Bailey Zappi, not the guy. So, there, Cello, the enthu- this all started on enthusiasm a, a week out from camp. The enthusiasm can't reach a fever pitch just because of a head coach. That's no. never going to happen at the NFL level. You know where it can happen? The college level, because we're seeing oh, it. We're yeah. seeing it in Boulder with Prime because it's all about recruiting. Yeah, the NFL. There's salary caps. There's contracts. Yeah. Sean Payton can't come in here and make you a contender overnight like a, a Nick Saban or a Dabo Sweeney or a Kirby Smart or a Coach Prime can. 
because it's it's just two different games. So yeah. I get it. Fever pitch can happen at the college game because of a coach. It can't happen in the NFL yeah. game because of a coach. What gives me apprehension about that, and I think you're exactly right, but what kind of scares me there, Will, is that he's going to use past experiences to be like, I want you to be Drew. And here's the problem. Last year when Russ tried to be somebody other than Russ, the results were catastrophic. They were terrible. Mm. Uh, leading him to, like, why would you have ever thrown that ball against the Colts? Why, Like, there's high school kids that are not making that throw. What were you trying to prove at that point? Much ball against the Colts because there was, like, three awful the, ones. The interception that ended the game, basically, where yeah. they didn't need it. They just needed points, right? They're down there. I think it was uh, Stephon Gilmore who ended up picking that ball. But it was like he threw it to him. Yeah, He was throwing it to a spot no matter who was there. And it was like, don't change it. And my, my fear is that... It's not going to be so much. I think Sean Payton's kind of, he knows enough about himself that, hey, he's not going to be the same as Drew. And even early, early in when his courtship, he was saying Russ was caught blowing Drew up, right? I had to tell him to leave him alone. Yeah, you need to chill out on yeah. Jackson Drew. Leave him alone. Yeah. You're not him, dude. So don't try and become him. Don't be don't be Drew Brees 2.0. Just be Russ. And if I think, I think if you can get, if he can be that and be like, I'm going to take my skill set and I think Sean Payton has realized this. I got to do things differently than even I did with Drew, and even I did with Jameis Winston. Like he's, he'll, he'll be able to do that. I think Russ has to have the buy-in to be like, because he 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 mentioned Drew Brees last year before Sean Payton was even here. I want to be the, my second half of my career. I want to be that pocket guy and stay in the pocket, just like Drew Brees did. Well, you have other attributes that he didn't have, right? And we saw it late in the year last year when he finally started escaping the pocket, making some runs, and making some plays on his own. Uh, I think that's the kind of success you'll see when Russ realizes that. And I think Sean Payne's going to push that into him. And you mentioned that he was sort of already comparing himself to Drew Brees last year. And then you'll remember he was at the podium after week 18 against the uh, Chargers. And he got asked, what head coach do you want? And that was when we were kind of hearing the the Harbaugh, Payton. And like the Harbaugh, his answer, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was something like, well, I played against him for a long time. He's a good coach. And then Peyton was like, oh, my gosh, Sean Payton and Drew yeah. Brees, and I love Sean. I've gotten to know Sean at the Pro Bowl. And it was like, oh, we know what head coach three wants them to hire, and that's the one he got. Well, leading to the point where didn't Sean Payton say uh, Santa Claus said, careful what you wish for? I forget which player. Okay. Uh, who was our backup running back, the big dude, last year? Latavius Murray. Yes. Yeah. He reached out to Peyton, and, and Sean Payton at the Super Bowl revealed that he goes, you go ahead and tell on Christmas Day when all that stuff went down, right? Yeah, the, the, the Murray, debacle he, against the Rams. He texts Sean Payton. Sean Payton says, "Hey, be careful what you wish for. You're asking Santa Claus for a lot, but be careful what you wish for." And now and, Latavius Murray's not even on the team. I know, but I think that was meant more towards like Russ answering that type of a question. Like, you're going to have to put in work, dude. You're not just going to. He's going to challenge him day in and day out, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how much he grows differently, you know, this year versus last year. All right, I want to pivot over to sort of the story of the day, at least in my opinion, and that was that one tweet, one tweet led to the Broncos ticketing system for training camp. Chell, did you catch any of this today, this great reporting from ESPN's Jeff Legwald? Just from what you've told me. So he posted an article on ESPN.com, and he outlined what went in the into the decision uh, to change course, basically. no Training camp's no longer... Just drive your car up and come in and watch practice. You need a ticket, albeit a free ticket, to come in. And in short, it all traces back to one tweet. 
Last year, July 30th, the Broncos tweeted 7,121 strong. Broncos country, we love celebrating back together Saturday with you. And they took this wide shot picture from the roof. I mean, the roof of what was then a different sponsor is now the Centura Health Training Center. And I'm showing you this picture right now. This wide shot of more than 7,200 people on the berm packed to the gills. Well, what did that happen? Someone took the tweet to the Arapahoe County Fire Marshal. Here's a quote from a South Metro Fire Department spokesman. Someone sent us the tweet and said, that seems like an awful lot. Can it really hold that? That led to some research and come to find out the area is only committed for a capacity of 3,200. And that's what it was listed when the new field house was constructed in 2013. They came to the conclusion that the fire marshal had to come out and evaluate it and tell the Broncos, you got to get this down to 3,000 per practice, a la the ticketing. We've been talking about the ticketing for weeks and weeks and weeks, Cello. Mm-hmm. We finally have an answer to what led to the ticketing. And I think the Broncos could have saved themselves a lot of headaches and a lot of criticism that it was not them who had to force the ticketing because Sean Payton wants control over everything. There was all kinds of crazy theories out there. This was done because someone sent the tweet to the fire marshal and the fire marshal got involved and told the Broncos, in so many words, this isn't zoned for this many people. And you're going to have to cut this down. The limit's 3,200. That's 3,000 fans. That's the players. That's the staff. That's the ushers. That's how you get to 3,200. If there was some sort of emergency, that's the number that could evacuate, I guess, based on their research, more than the 7,200 last year. I think this is this is huge for the Broncos because I think it's very revealing that this wasn't some power trip by Peyton. This wasn't the ownership group overstepping. This wasn't Damani Leach trying to put down his foot. I'm the president. I call the shots now. This was just done because Arapahoe County got involved. I'm going... Hold on. So, aluminum hat. Ooh, okay. Tin foil. Hook, line, and sinker. You took it, right? I, I, they, I, I believe they, this reporting. They threw the bait, and, and initially when you told me, I'm like, oh, well, that's fair. Now, finally, maybe get a little heat off of Sean Payton and the Broncos back. Dude, how powerful is this organization in this city? Pretty powerful. I'm going to ask you, and if we went back, I don't know what the totals were, but the picture you showed me, I was out covering the Broncos during every one of the first two seasons that Manning was there. Okay. All right. And I forget when that was, when the the field house was built. But before there was pine trees up on that side, right? They extended the berm. Yes. Right? And then when Peyton got here, that looked like that a lot, day in and day out. My question is, that happened one time last year. There was enough motive, and that was probably a Saturday practice, maybe early, you know, going into the season. It was like the second day of camp. It was more than 7,100. Exactly. It was the back-together Saturday. And we also know that Sean Payton has limited access as far as just media is concerned, correct? Right? I mean, that's true. Nobody's getting the access that that we've had in the past. Okay, as far as covering this team. So where are you going with this? You think the I Broncos think, could I have told the fire department? Actually, we don't want to listen. to you. I think it's kind of coincidental that a few weeks after they decided to say, "Well, this is how we're doing training camp this year, and you have to have a ticket, and there's only three thousand that are going to be available for per, per practice." I think they they heard a lot of the backlash, and now they're like, "Wait a minute, whoa, this." So this wasn't us. This was because the fire marshal finally decided to say, oh, after years and years of this happening, 
we're going to limit it. We're going to enforce our rules at this point. I'm not saying that's the case. I just think you, there's a point that could be made for that. Do you not agree? Ugh. How many people were at the practices when we were back there back in the day? Well, when Peyton Manning was oh, like there. Five, six, they were violating code every single year. That's my point. Like, why was it not an issue then? Because, somebody- because someone snitched about this tweet. And it got the fire department's attention, and the fire marshal investigated and made their ruling, and the Broncos are choosing to follow the ruling. KJ, you believe that? People have been just waiting to be offended by anything for years now, and now all of a sudden they're upset? No, I'm definitely with you. I think there's there's one devious person. They're not even a fan. They can't be a fan. Obviously, they're not a fan. There's yeah. one devious person out there that was like, this is my time. I, I got to strike right now. <laughs> There you go. I, I, I'm going to take it at face value. I am. You you lay out some good points, Cello, and I know you got your tinfoil hat on, and we got the, what is that, the X-Files music? Yes. But, dude, I think if it were up to the Broncos and this code had never gotten enforced, this would be year 10 the code didn't get enforced because they just didn't know any different. I'm not accusing them of doing anything devious over the last 10 years. I think they just said, hey, we got a lot of room. We got a big hill. People can come out and see it. And totally agree. I totally agree with you. If all the other restrictions haven't hadn't been put in place, the limited access to the players to the it's just different this year, right? But but why does Sean Payton care if there's three thousand people or five thousand people there? That, that I don't sh- know. Why are people not allowed to talk about certain things that they see while they're out there? Yes, because that is when it's just the media only. He knows that. Joe Schmo from wherever, pick a city in Denver, can go out there and live tweet practice at camp. Yep. He can go tell us that Greg Dulcich is their secret weapon and Bill Belichick can read but the But even tweet. when we've been there as media, Will, we're limited, right? Every coach that we've we've dealt with in the past has, you have a media session, which you can see certain things, and they're not going to show you hardly anything. No. E- equally, they're not going to answer, answer any questions if you really push them on certain topics because they don't want to give away game plans and whatnot. We get that. But the media sessions are only usually how long per practice. You get to see a limited. 20 minutes. Yes, and then they go into their actual practice. But camp is different. This camp, year. Camp, they will practice in front of the fans the entire camp two, two and a half hours. Agreed. And that's the same every year. Agreed, but up to this point, even like little things, you're not getting the same access. That's just my opinion, but. All right. I mean, James Merrill, who wrote this article at denversports.com, uh, sort of piggybacking off like he's reporting, agrees with me. He says the days of the packed hill are over. No more overflowing crowds to cheer every big play. Gosh, and no I'm more disappointed sp- in James right now. No more spur-of-the-moment trips to training camp, <laughs> all because of one tweet. He was known as the fire starter back in the day. We called him, I don't know if you know that song, right? Do, do hasme, the, the fire starter. We called James <laughs> saying it because I don't know it. And now he's the wet blanket on this story. Like, he, really... I'm gonna I'm gonna have words with James on this one. This I doesn't mean, make but, sense. But Cello, we have we have quotes from a spokesman of the South Metro Fire Department that Jeff Legwald tracked down and interviewed, and the fire department is saying, Yeah, we're the ones who did this. Yeah. The Broncos are no longer the ones who did this. The I fire department think. is confirming it was them and they sent people out to inspect and they're now enforcing the code. Okay, so the new hill's been there since when? 2013, 2012? This was the first complaint they've got. In those in that time frame, I don't buy that. I, I think it kind of is a little coincidental, but hey, if that's the case, then I'm in the wrong, and I totally understand. They're just trying to abide and be great citizens and follow the rules the way that we all should. Yeah, you're you're not in the wrong. I I, I see what you're saying. There's a lot of other 
I mean, believe me, Chal, I spent a month on this show talking about how this is the Broncos overly controlling things, yeah. and this is the Broncos trying to get Which your email Which, if that's address. the case, that's fine, too. Yeah. I have no problem with that. If you want to keep, because you're trying to build a new type of culture, and this is the way you're going to go about it, fine. I just don't want it to be masked by, like, regulations by the fire marshal. I'm just saying, I'm sitting here on July 20th, and... I believe the Broncos. I believe everything the Broncos have said, that this was out this of their hands. Fit, this doesn't, this was fit, not this, their this doesn't even fit Scrappy Will. I know. I, but, but I, unlike some people, and I'm not saying you, some people, <laughs> I, am admi- I am willing to admit when I'm wrong. Gotcha. I, th- I think I was wrong on this one. I don't think this one was the Broncos' fault, the whole ticket thing. I think it was I think it was them following code from the fire department, and I'm not blaming the fire department Listen, either because they're you just I, trying to keep people safe. I put the tinfoil hat on, so it's not like I'm just giving the other side of it. I'm playing devil's advocate for you. The RawhoSlot.com text line 303-713-1043 is on fire about this topic. No pun intended. As, as I say that, I realize I probably shouldn't have used those terms. But a lot of folks chiming in on this one. Uh, you can go read all about it. Again, I want to give a shout-out to the original porter, reporter, ESPN's Jeff Legwald, for tracking down these interviews and giving us some clarity. But coming up on the other side, it was a big, big day for CU because two games are sold out, but also the Pac-12 media poll came out, and, man, where the buffs sit, it's not real pretty. Appreciate the feedback on the RamosLaw.com text line 303-713-1043. That, that, I mean, that in, that enlisted a lot of opinions. I'll just put it that way, Cello. Yeah. A lot of folks on your side, a lot of folks on my side of this clarification, if you will, about why they can only have 3,000 fans at camp. We've got quotes from spokespeople from South Metro Fire Department saying... They need to get this down to 3,200 people. The logical thing to do, 3,000 fans, 200 players, <laughs> usher staff. In reality, I mean, who am I to question a firefighter, right? <laughs> I mean, I'll just leave it at that. There you go. There you go. We love them. Love all the work they do in the community. And, uh, yeah, if they say this is the way it's got to be, I guess this is the way that it's got to be, trying to keep everyone safe. All right, Cello, big day in Boulder. You want to start with the good or the bad? You a big uh, glass half full or a half empty guy? I'm a half full guy, Will. Okay. So let's go ahead and start with that. Well, if you want tickets to see two CU games, they are already sold out. For the first time since 2019, CU has sold out two games in a season. Obviously, it's still July. More to come. I fully anticipate every home game to be sold out. But the university announced today that tickets to games against Nebraska and Stanford are already gone. Cornhuskers makes sense. Bitter rival, whatever. September 9th. Stanford, that's October 13th. That's the family weekend. So to me, that tells you, Cello, mom and dad coming to visit. They want to go see Coach Pratt. <laughs> I agree with you. That one kind of threw me threw me for a loop a bit. I didn't think out of any of these games that they'd say, you know, I figured Nebraska's got to be, right? No brainer. But the, the Stanford one, that just, uh, you mean like family from Cali is coming to see. What do you mean by that? Like, okay, so it's family weekend. So the university is telling students, family, parents, brothers, grandparents, aunts, uncles, whatever. No, but what are you saying there? I guess what I mean is, like, you think there's a lot of kids from California that attend the University of Colorado Absolutely. Boulder, and that family's coming out. And I think that mom and dad are saying, or whoever, you know, we all have mixed, splendid families, are saying, all right, I'll get on a plane and come visit you. Yeah. But we're going to the football game that weekend. Yes. Because think about it. The football game's the highlight of the weekend. 
you can do a campus tour and you can meet the roommates and you can see the house and can maybe even sit in on a class or two and talk to a professor. But what do people plan their weekends around in the fall? Football. If it's my kid, that's what I'm going for. Yeah. I'm not doing a campus tour. We already did that at orientation. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to, to, to meet with any of your professors. I, I already had enough time with my own professors when I was in school. It's about taking it back and watching something that we haven't seen, especially up in Boulder, in years. Like that kind of electricity behind the program. And I think what's funny is like, we, we feel it here locally, but nationally it seems kind of like a lot of people are kind of poo-pooing what Prime and the, and the Buffs are going to do this well, that's year. that's a good segue into the bad news of the day, which I will give you now. The Pac-12 media poll came out, preseason poll. Have you seen this yet? Do you know where they got ranked in 12? I did. did you, write this, you wrote this one, right? Yeah. Yes, I know where they're at. Number 11, Cello. Can you believe that? I mean, listen, USC's number one. I get it. That's Caleb Williams. That's the number one pick in the NFL draft or number two pick, whatever. Washington, too. I know their offense is loaded. Utah's good year in and year out. Oregon's a perennial contender. I got no problem with the top four. But you're telling me they went 1-11 last year and beat Cal. Beat Cal and stormed the field. And somehow in this media poll, Cal is ranked number nine and CU's 11? Arizona State with the whole Herm Edwards debacle and they're in a total rebuild? They're number 10. These media members, these 36 media members who were polled, told us with a straight face today that Coach Prime is is leading the 11th best team in the Pac-12. I find that insulting. A couple things that I find interesting. Number one is that one of the weekends sold out up in Boulder is number 11 and number 12 ranked in the Pac-12. Yep, that's family okay, weekend so there, for you. <laughs> there you go. Uh, another thing, UCLA, they're down at 6. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chip Kelly's still there, right? I mean, uh, the last I checked in, and they were kind of flirting in the top 25 all season last year, and they're ranked sixth in this conference. So that's another good reason that maybe this poll is just misguided. No, I believe so. I think I always think it's kind of funny to see these preseason polls and then where things end up at the end of the year. Obviously, there's going to be probably two that are in the bottom quarter that will end up midway or up in the top quarter, and there's going to be a couple that fall on their face. The question to me is, like, who's it going to be? I, I agree with you on USC. I think they're pretty dang good. Utah is one for me. I don't know. I just feel like Utah's good every year. Every time I look at Utah, they got a 12 next to their name. Not for 12th in the Pac-12, but for 12 in the country. Feels like they're a perennial top 25 team, always somewhere in the teens. They always grind it out. Mm-hmm. But to, to be number three out of these teams, I don't say I'm, I'm really shocked that UCLA fell to where they're at. But do you think, all right, uh, and this, you put your tinfoil hat on last segment. I'm going to put mine on this segment. Yeah. Do you think these 36 media members are just a little sick and a little bitter of all the Coach Prime hype and all the Dion, 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 and he's the most famous college coach in America, maybe the second most behind Nick Saban, um, but I think he's more famous than Dabo Sweeney. I think he's more famous than Kirby Smart. Do you think this is snooty media members from based around the Pac-12 the guy at the local paper in Corvallis, Oregon, who's sick of Dion and to stick it to him, he put him at 12 on his preseason poll. I don't think we'll ever get the accurate answer unless we pull all of the fire marshals from these specific cities. <laughs> but uh, I think you're exactly right. I don't even think it's tinfoil. I think nationwide, people are, there's a lot of people that are very upset. Venable came out the other day criticizing yeah, Prime. Randomly taking a shot at Prime. I felt like Will Smith, you know, keep my name out of your mouth. Exactly. And they're like, listen, I get where he was coming from, but you also inherited a program that had 
what? You know, you were you're a, a perennial top twenty five team for top ten team, to be honest with you. Uh, and what Prime inherited was a little bit different. So the way he's going about rebuilding this program versus how you had to do it, taking over the reins for uh, Riley. Was it? Was it? What's his first Lincoln name? Lincoln Riley. Riley in Oklahoma is a little bit different than showing up to Boulder, where the two programs that we know here, besides Air Force, were literally talked about Will as being like the worst in Division One college football a year ago. Oh, they did. All those websites did the bottom five rankings. Yes. And CU and CSU were consistently in the worst D1 teams in the country. So, yeah, and I think because of his persona, it goes back to when he was a player. I've loved Prime since he was at Florida State, so mm. none of this surprised me. I, I'm, I'm eating it up. I'm envious as a Ram that they got Prime to go to Boulder. But there's a lot of people that it, it constantly rubs them the wrong way, and I think you're exactly right. A lot of people, they'll just say stuff because they're fed up with the way that he's doing it. So you're buying my theory that these 36 people, I'm not saying all 36 of them, but I don't know, maybe 15 to 20 of them just put CU at 12th because they're sick of prime, and they, they tank their yeah, preseason I think Yes, and I think they'll be dead wrong. Yeah, I do too. I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here today and say CU's going to win the Pac-12. Agreed. But they'll finish... Five, six, or seven in my eyes. I think they're a middle-of-the-road team in that conference in year one in Dion. I think it's like with any program. Uh, and you made, you alluded to it earlier. A coach can take you to a different level at the collegiate level, right? Correct. I mean, we've seen that all over the nation. But ultimately, who's going to be your quarterback? And how well is he going to play? We know who's planned to be it up in Boulder. And he was pretty dang good when he was with his, with his father the last couple years. But can he... Can that game translate to the Pac-12 level? A lot of people say no. I think it can in some of the talent that he's bringing in. Are they going to win the Pac-12? I agree with you, no. But I think they're going to be a hell of a lot more competitive than most people think or will give them credit for. Yeah, they're certainly not going to be worse than Cal and ASU. Just to finish up a thought on this, uh, that USC game's on September 30th here. That's one that's not sold out yet, right? We, We only heard about Nebraska and Stanford today. I went and looked at the tickets, and this is not secondary market, Cello. This is the CU website, okay? Yeah. Their cheapest ticket that the university is offering you, not secondary, not Taylor Swift, jack it up. The cheapest ticket they're offering you is a $225 ticket before fees, and the most expensive is $625 before fees. That is insane to me. I don't know the number, but I bet you could have bought a ticket on CU's website last year for 20 bucks to go to some of these games. Easily. And the cheapest ticket, the Boulder, uh, the university, the folks in Boulder are offering before fees two hundred and twenty five bucks. Again, this is not some secondary jack up. This is this is the the school wants to sell you tickets. Yeah, you for compare this that to what a Bronco ticket could go for. I know. I mean, I, I, I bet you'd be saving money by going to a Broncos game if you want to sit at the fifty yard line to watch USC CU, and you're not going to StubHub or Ticketmaster or you know Vivid Seats or any of those. You're going directly through the school. Six hundred and twenty-five bucks. Okay, I'm going to ask you point blank then, and this is early. I mean, it's July twentieth. All right, they're not done. They haven't even broken camp. The season's still, you know, about a month, uh, a little over a month away. What do you? What's your prognostication for the Buffs? They're going to make a bowl game. Yeah, they're they're going to get to six wins and make a bowl game, and that would be a a tremendous bar for Dion to set in year one, as in year two and year three. Uh, the college football playoff expands to 12, and he sets his sights on that. What about you? I tend to agree with you, and I also I also think that the, the, the game, the opener, that's TCU, right? Yeah, it's everyone. They're 21 and a half point dogs. Everyone. Talk, 
I'm going to say this early. They cover that. It's a big number. But, I mean, uh, we saw, I mean, you brought it up when I was here last week. Georgia kind of boat raced TCU and was TCU a legitimate team? Yeah, they are. But, I mean, you're in and you're out. What they did last year, nobody expected TCU to be where they were. No. And they played for a national title. No. So, I mean, it's like, I think uh, that game will be kind of interesting to kind of, it'll be the catapult to the season. And I'm not saying that the that the Buffs win that game, but I, th- I think they're a lot more competitive than most people believe. All right, that will certainly set the tone. You can read about both those stories at denversports.com. On the other side, though, the Broncos will reveal a new helmet next week. And our guy, Andrew Mason, says the pressure is on. He's Marcello Romano. I'm Will Peterson. One more segment to go. Marcello, uh, Broncos have a big announcement on Tuesday. New. Huge. Huge, baby. New alternate helmet coming out. Obviously, they've been teasing it a lot on social media. How excited are are you for this new alternate helmet that the teases have indicated is going to be white um, based on some of the the nine-second videos they've released? Listen, I'm not going to lie. I'm on the, the – as far as generationally goes, I got to see Madden turn into kind of what it is. I don't play it as much. Actually, I hardly play it at all anymore. But back in the day, I was, when you had the opportunity to change unis mm. and you could kind of do your own custom thing, uh, that always got us, you know, very excited. So I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm excited to see which one it is. And, and I, to be fair, I don't think this is a full change. I think this is just a helmet they'll wear a couple times a season just to kind of mix things up. I agree, but is a full change coming? This could be step one toward a full change. That's okay. a good point. They're going to kind of see how this is received. And then we know that, you know, they sent out the survey last season. Yeah. That, you know. I do. Okay, I see where you're going with that. This is sort of dipping the toe in the water and seeing how the fan base reacts. Couple things I would ask you is, I, I mean, obviously, and I think Mace even wrote it that they're kind of alluding to it to be the white helmet, maybe with the old D on it, mm-hmm. right? Something like that, which would be pretty cool. Furthermore, I mean, what's your favorite Bronco uni of all time? I think a lot of people are kind of tired of what they're what they have been wearing. But what's your favorite of all time? Because, I mean, everyone, a classic never dies, right? There's always – but there's a there's a couple of them in Broncos history. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just the old school D with the horse bucket and the, you know, the smoke coming out of his nose, whatever. Yeah. That's that's number one for me. What's ironic, though, is they never won a Super Bowl in those. And then the year they changed was Super Bowl 32 yep. and 33. So it's sort of like, yeah, you want to go back to that, but – you couldn't win anything in those, and then the second you you mix it up, you, you're hoisting Lombardi's back-to-back. Yeah. What about I, you? What's your favorite? I would probably tend to agree. I'm kind of a sucker for uh, the 75th anniversary jersey, which is the orange helmet. They had the gray face mask, but then the crazy Bronco on the side. Okay. The white Bronco. And they wore, like, I don't know if you remember that. See, it was 1994 that they wore those. That's kind of my favorite of all time. But I don't think that's – I think that's one of those things that you could wear like once or twice a year. You don't have to – I don't know. If if they move it at all, I think they, they'll they go back to the D. I don't think you're going to have a reinvention of like a new logo. No, I, I wouldn't expect that either. I think they would just go classic like the Seahawks did, which is the one that is sort of getting rave reviews all over social media. If folks haven't seen it, you can go look at it at Mace's article at denversports.com. But, I mean, 
it just it's so it's nostalgia. Like it's oh, it, yeah. it's the nineties cello. I mean, the, the, when you see those logos or those jerseys, it brings you back to a spot. Like I told you, a play that I remember John Elway made in the Kingdom mm. when they're playing against the the Seahawks, wearing those jerseys. I remember certain players, Dave Craig, uh, was it? Uh, even Ricky Waters went to the to the Seahawks back when they were wearing those jerseys. Is that Warren Moon or not quite? Warren Moon was there at yeah. that point. Yeah. Steve Largent, you know, I mean, but of course Brian Bosworth. There's those kind of jerseys. I think if I, w- I want to ask you, which one would you rank the best? I'm going to give you a couple. Broncos, old school, okay, kind of '80s. Seahawks, the Jets, who I think stupidly made a move back to like the all green a couple years ago instead of sticking with like the Namath. Jets, the white uh, on with green on top of it, and then probably the Buccaneers, which in Mace's article he alludes to, they're going back to they're going to wear the creamsicle. I think a couple times this year. Rate them, and you could do this for all sports. Actually, what is the best jersey that you could think of? Right, right, right. No, that's a good question. Uh, to me, I am partial to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers creamsicle. That's the one I didn't know if you were going to mention or not, but that yeah. was the one I was going to go with. I mean, it just is so. It just screams Florida and fun and edgy and trendy and people having a good time, I guess. And it's it's hard because we're on a audio medium and not visual medium to describe what I like so much about it. But it is, I mean, it's just like, if you're nostalgic for old school football, that Bucks cream skull, it's kind of hard to beat. No kidding. Furthermore, I guess I would ask you, which there's a lot of teams that are stubborn in their history, right? The Cowboys wear the same thing they have for how many years? My I, whole the, the only time that they wear anything different is on Thanksgiving Day. They might wear the white helmet with the blue star. Yeah. Are they due for a change? Could the Yankees, my beloved Yankees, could they use a change in jerseys? The Red Sox have changed a little bit. Which one needs the big? Which one needs the update? Just needs a refresher. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how long have how long have the Cubs worn their uniforms for? Forever as well. That's just that one feels to me like it's just little tweaks here and there, but ultimately the same kind of thing. That one to me feels stale. I would even say the Yankees. I love the Yankees, but they could add something to it. You're ready, like the pinstripes. Like keep the pinstripes. Keep, keep them. Make a third. I'd say an alternate jersey. You think the Broncos are going to nail this next Tuesday? Because that's what—that's ultimately the gist of Mace's article. They better nail it because he put in like eight tweets from teams around the league. A lot of teams coming out with some pretty sharp stuff. I think stuff. most people will be happy with it, but as always, there's always going to be somebody that's disappointed with the decision. Uh, in 10 seconds or less, is this something like you're setting an alarm for? Like, Because I'm not the biggest uniform guy in the world, but no. Yeah, but it sounds like you care. I love it, but I don't have to get up early for it. I don't need, I don't need to see it first. Okay. All right. Sounds good. I'll go to denversports.com to see it. There you go. It'll be on your radar. For KJ Vercello, I'm Will. It's DST on the fan.